I'll, I'll fix my fuck up story. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to On the Wet Coast, a podcast about sexuality and ethical non-monogamy of every variety. We talk polyamory and swinging, monogamish and open relationships, from dirty, dirty sex to heartbreak. We share our personal experiences and philosophy, observations and theories, what works for us, and where we fucked it right up. Join us on the Wet Coast. If you're lucky, the place where you're living has a thriving sex-positive community, and it takes little effort to find and take part in events, such as meetups, workshops, and conventions. Most likely, that's not the case, and either there isn't much of a community, or the community that is there doesn't align with your interests, ethics, or outlook. Sometimes, you've got to step forward and spearhead building that community yourself. It's a bit of a terrifying concept, but it can be done. Today on the Wet Coast, we talk with two people who are doing just that. They founded the Vancouver Sex Positive Society and are ramping up for the third annual ConvergeCon, a conference originated with a desire to build sex-positive communities and start a dialogue around sexuality, relationships, and activism. Hi everyone, I'm Flick Morrison. And I'm Kat Stark. And today with us on our cozy couch studio, we have Kaylin Wenty. Welcome, fellow humans. Thank you. (laughs) Hi. Now, before we get into things, let me read the bios I stole from the ConvergeCon website. Kale is a queer vlogger, educator, speaker, and manages a website compiling resources about relationship anarchy, relationship-anarchy.com. Wendy is a lifelong ethical non-monogamist. She aspires to teach, share, and support an open dialogue around sexuality, relationships, and gender. All right, so just tell us all the things. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well... I think I think what maybe we could start with is how we sort of uh, came up with an idea for ConvergeCon and uh, our inspiration from a different conference. Um, Origin story. That's a great start. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> uh, we went to, well, F- Kayla, you went first, didn't you? Yeah, I went a few times. Uh, to Catalyst Con. Which I heard about on uh, Tristan Terramino's podcast, mm-hmm. Sex Out Loud, and I thought, well, I really want to go to this, but it's in Washington, D.C., and I'm an accountant, and I don't have anything to do with this, so why am I going to fly <laughs> to another country and across the continent to go to this? But um, a friend of mine encouraged me to just do it, and so I went, and I was like, the first time I was just kind of blown away, and the second time I was like, this is cool, we don't really have anything like that in Canada, and then the third time I think or maybe Wendy came and then we were like we need to do this in Canada (laughs) she's yeah the third time I heard about it the first time and the second time I couldn't go and then the third time she was we were there together and she's like see I really want to do this it's really missing and I was like we're doing it (laughs) you don't want to do this we're gonna do it let's get this in motion go talk to the lady and uh yeah it kind of just was a lot of hard work and sort of started that there yeah. Well, and, you're, and you're coming up on the third year and for, you know, a lot of conventions, you know, uh, the first year is relatively, you know, uh, it, you know, they, with the optimism, it just kind of happens. And then the second year, you know, a lot of cons, their second year kind of crushes them. Um, and here you are on your third year, which is, you know, getting over that big slump, really. 
Man, I feel like this is the year that's starting to crush me a little oh, bit. Oh, no. <laughs> well, we have um, yeah. uh, Diane, who's also one of our uh, co-producers. She has always been the most amazing help. I actually worked with her at the University of British Columbia in a totally unrelated job. And I went to her when I wanted to do this. And I said, hey, I want to do this really awesome thing. It's going to be a lot of work and we're not going to make any money. Do you want to join me? <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, she said, sure. So she's an amazing help. Thank you, and Diane. Yes, I love you. love her so much. <laughs> Um, but she's not able to help as much this year. So Wendy and I, I feel like every year we get more ambitious and maybe, but also we are, uh, especially me, I'm learning how to delegate this year. Right. So maybe that will make it easier in the future, but this year is kind of just like figuring out all that. So yeah, I can speak to the second year slump at the end of the second year before the conference. I was like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. the conference happened and I was like, no, no, no. I can do this. This is really <laughs> cool and really necessary. And it just went over so well. And despite some uh, internal turmoil uh, within the like uh, community. community, we were able to present a really cohesive concert conference. And um, yeah, I was blown away by the content. So, Well, last year was also like when Me Too was just... Not just starting. Obviously, it's been going on for as long as women and men have existed, I guess. Yes. But like, but it um, had a lot of momentum. The movement had a lot of momentum. Yeah, it time. was very. And so that made the conference, um, I think, vital, but also heavy. There yes. was a lot of yeah. really heavy yeah. discussions that happened. So we were very yeah. at the end. And we had this closing keynote or closing panel that was amazing. But also we're like, okay, bye. And we yeah. just had these really intense conversations. Yeah. So we're very much this year trying to figure out how to end on like you know have those conversations that are vital and important um but also and end on on you know optimism and energy (laughs) yeah Yeah. Yeah, i get it yeah education and uh flourishing rather than like doom and yeah (laughs) felt a little doomy last year it is it is really difficult to find that balance because there is so much sort of dark shit going on and you do need to acknowledge it and talk about it and and um, you know, be involved with it. And, but also, yeah, we're, we're there to have fun and we do need to figure out how to, how to like boy ourselves up and, and continue the fight. And if yeah. we don't have those moments of, of joy and, and laughter and, you know, sexiness and yeah. silliness and stuff, you know, you just can't keep going. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, yeah. And, and speaking as people who've attended um, the three of them and we hadn't really gone to anything other than that. Um, but had heard from a lot of people about conver- uh, about Catalyst. Catalyst, and I always get those two names mixed up. I'm you- I'm really bad for the similar letters kind of thing. I'm under pressure um, the whole weekend when I'm saying Converge yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, up in front of a podium. Don't like, say yeah. Catalyst. Don't say Catalyst. <laughs> Welcome to Converge. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, like I was just amazed, especially the first year, at how well organized it was. Like it d- did not feel like a first time, especially since I understand you you really put it together in a few months. <laughs> like it did not feel like that. And a lot of things that have been running for about five years feel like that um from you know other styles of conventions that we've been to so yeah one and we've we uh uh, last year we went to woodhall we went to sex down south Mm -hmm. and uh you know and and i you know uh, those are those are both great conventions uh i think uh converge is a great con i you know i think you're putting on a really great con and and i think it's i think it's definitely up there in terms of the the quality and the organization thank you oh thank you that feels nice (laughs) And you know, and and uh, speaking from an informed point, having been to the to the big cons 
this this year. So yeah, thanks thanks so much for putting on a great con. The end. That's the end of the episode. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> oh, I was sweating. <laughs> Um, so we're probably going to like bounce around kind of in and out various things, but, um, so you're both non-monogamous, um, and do you label yourselves in any specific way? Um, I would say I, I've never personally identified as poly or polyamorous, um, just because, I don't know, that seemed like a whole community that I just wasn't like physically a part of, kind of, was maybe part of it, and, um, I just went with open, and then, um, had some tumultuous first experiences um that were you know I just didn't know I didn't know the rights I had as like a I'm air quoting secondary partner Mm -hmm. you know and those kind of things and so I ended up uh finding relationship anarchy that way and dove really deep into that for a few years like as you said I have the website and I made a lot of videos which the whole video process was me just trying to understand it really like people think I knew what I was talking about but it was like I need to learn about this I'll make a video and then I'll learn about it you know and that's that's kind of how I wrote a book Yeah. yeah, it's like a learning process. So Let's I, record for history my process of processing and, and learning about this. Yeah. yeah, that was so I did that, and so I really identified as a relationship anarchist, and you know, started the Facebook group, which I think now has over 5,000 members on it. And um, but then something for me switched a little bit when we started doing Converge. Yeah especially in my focus, like my Mm. focus just completely switched away from that because we were doing sort of local discussions and different kind of things. But uh, this is where my passion is, the Converge stuff. So not that I don't identify as, there's a lot of tenets of relationship anarchy that I still value immensely, but I don't really use any title now, which I think is part of relationship anarchy in itself. So (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Uh, I, I definitely first identified as a polyamorist when I read The Ethical Slut, um, uh, 2002 or so, or no, 2007. But, um, as I learned more about sort of the, uh, polyamory is kind of a, I don't know, like it seemed a little bit formulaic to me and I wanted more mm. freedom than that. And so, uh, for more freedom than the then the title came to hold in in life as I learned more about it, as more people got into it, as it got more popular, as more white dudes and couples <laughs> took advantage of it. I, I, I'm, it just kind of changed and uh, I wasn't changing along with it. So when I thought about ethical non-monogamy, that to me means more, uh, mm-hmm. resonates with me more. Um, it just feels more me right now. Uh, right now yeah <laughs> that might change again uh yeah even though i don't entirely identify with the polyamorous label it's it's kind of a, i find it a, a useful shorthand yeah right yeah. in in the sense of like kind of quickly saying i'm non-monogamous and i have you know committed relationships with with uh, more than one person i um is is sort of the the uh the the pithy definition of of polyamorous but really uh, any label is more a beginning of a conversation yeah. than an entire identity encapsulated in one term. Well, that's one thing I really liked about relationship anarchy is no one had a clue what it meant. So it kind of like <laughs> forced a conversation, right? Like, yeah. and I did like that because, you know, but of course there's conversations where you don't want to get into it. So yeah, non-monogamy sort of, or poly is like a good catch-all, I think. Yeah, but yeah, if you yeah. want, if you're talking with someone, maybe you want to date, then maybe you're like, yeah, this is a way longer conversation than yeah. this. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think we're just maybe just too old to have anything with the word anarchy in the title. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> we're like, oh, that's for the young people. Uh. <laughs> we were young ones. <laughs> we, we were. Weren't we? <laughs> Um, so how did you get into non-monogamy? Um, well, I was in, I don't, I guess sort of like serial monogamy in my like twenties, really, um, really long-term, like three, five, six year relationships all through my, you know, since I was 15. And then, uh, my last monogamous relationship was, um, I felt a lot of stifling feelings, um, like, they didn't like that Wendy and I made out, which I was like, what? <laughs> what yeah. do you mean? So like, you know, and that, because we were together and then I met Wendy. So yeah. they, this person was just like, no, I don't like that. And just kind of little things. And I was like, hmm, okay, maybe that's just this relationship. But I know no non-monogamy since I was 20. I went to Toronto to visit friends and suddenly heard about this. And and being in the burner community, I mean, it's mm. on your radar for years and years, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but then when I split up with that partner, I started dating someone who's still a very good friend of mine and I always thought it was a rebound. We ended up being together for years, oh, but wow. I thought, I thought it was rebound because he was six years younger than me and whatever. But I, I went one day, I decided, well, this isn't my, you know, life partner. I kind of want to keep dating. So I went to him and said, Hey, I want to date other people. And he was like, cool. Do you want to still date me? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and to be honest, he's just the least jealous person I've ever met. That just doesn't on his radar. And, um, it was very easy. I was lucky in that way. Then I got into another relationship where I was the secondary and that was the one that was very not easy for me. And that mm-hmm. sort of Boy. did the transition, but the moving into non-monogamy was with him was very easy. And then ever since then, I've sometimes I honestly debate, could I do monogamy? Because I find non-monogamy very difficult, especially as someone who doesn't have, again, air quotes, like primary partners, because that's like that that's an idea I really want in my life and I find dating as a non-monogamist shrinks the available you know dating pool and then dating someone who isn't you know married slash has kids slash has a girlfriend who's someone I'm dating right now is married with kids and a girlfriend and I'm you know it's like I find it challenging but even with the challenges I I just don't think I could do non-monogamy or do monogamy again right oh I don't know there's a lot of things happening in my brain about this last year, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. What about you, Wendy? What, what's your sort of? How did you uh, end up in in non monogamy? Um, I had two boyfriends in grade one. What? <laughs> so I was in a grade one two split, and there was like there was no physical split, so it was just grade one class and grade two class. And I was in grade one, and I tutored uh, some of the people in, in grade two, including a boy. And I already had a boyfriend in grade one, um, and I really want to find them, and I want to say their name right now. But anyways, uh, they found out about each other, and one of them cried so hard, oh. and I felt so much shame about it. And I was like, I really didn't understand why it wasn't okay. Um, and I think I've always just kind of had this, like, I want to love whoever I want to love, and if that includes more than one person or more than one gender, then that's that's going to be how it is. Uh, I've learned a lot <laughs> since then, <Yeah>. obviously. Like that sometimes people are upset when they don't know that you're yeah. seeing other people. Yeah, the ethical part, the part about telling everyone what you want and, and if they're okay with it and giving them autonomy to say, no, actually, that's not going to work for me. Uh, continued in, in the rest of my life. I did have a monogamous relationship um, from the time I was 13 to the time I was 20. Um, 
And I, I felt like at the end of that relationship, about two years into the, before the end, I was spending a lot of time with my friends and other people and making out with them and then coming home and saying, I nothing happened. And so I still struggled with it as in the early 20s, something to the, the like honest part of it. And I think the honest part of it was being honest with myself. Like, right. this is okay. And it's okay to want this. I, I draw uh, like dragged around the shame from that little boy crying in grade one for a long time. And then finally was like, no, if I do it properly, then it doesn't have to be filled with shame. And it doesn't have to hurt anyone. And although sometimes it's true, people still get hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was going to say no one has to cry, but I was like, no. non monogamy is all about crying. There's plenty of crying in non monogamy. Yeah. It might be mostly crying. <laughs> yeah. So it's, like, been... it's like 40% crying, 40% group sex. <laughs> My ratios are way off. <laughs> I'm doing it wrong. No, I'm not doing it wrong, but. Uh... <laughs> It's been sort of a struggle since then. Not not, not a struggle, but um, uh, evolution since I, I broke up with that first monogamous uh, partner. I continued to have relationships and, and not uh, be honest about it until I was finally like, no, I'm going to be honest and just say what I want. And uh, I was lucky at the time who's uh, to be in a relationship with someone who's my best friend right now. Uh, I say best friend in like... Uh, there's lo- I have lots of best friends. <laughs> um, but best friends is a, it's a it's a tier. It's not a person. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, he was nice enough and lovely and kind enough to be like, okay, I'll try to do this with you. And I and I, I, I that was the first time of like being honest and and saying like I'm gonna go away to Burning Man and have sex with three people. Is that okay? <laughs> and and kind of just learning about all the sorts of ins and outs of like permission and. Mm. Um, hierarchy and and all that stuff and, and what I wanted and what I didn't want. So, cool. Yeah. Um, so you've mentioned Burning Man. Um, is that the the sort of main sex positive community you were part of before um, you founded Converge? Oh, definitely. I'd say it's like um, to go way back, but like I started raving in the nineties. Wendy and I were both at Shambhala in 2000, although we didn't know each other. Mm -hmm. Um, and I got into the burner community pretty soon after that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so that's been like sort of my big cultural influence I'd say in my life. And that for sure, that's the first time I heard about, you know, non-monogamy and yeah. And then going to that, like camps like Beaverton, like an awesome, you know, Queer, queer women, women identified camp that has strap onathons. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of awesome stuff happening at Burning Man. <laughs> so was uh, was you know uh, non monogamy and sexual adventure was that a big part of the draw for you with the burner community? Like a lot of people who actually don't you wouldn't expect to fit in the burner community. That's what pulls them in. Oh, interesting. I'd say not for me because for me yeah. it was about like raving kind of, yeah. you know, right. like yeah. like yeah. partying and the art and the cool people. And then it sort of grew from that, like, because I went to, um, well, my first Burning Man I went to, I was single. But then the next one I went with that last monogamous partner I had. And then as our relationship was kind of ending, I went on my own. And then I realized, like there's a lot I want to do. And I, I got in huge trouble when I got home. Like I was just said, I'm going to go and it was not okay. And it was mm. caused a lot of problems, but I was just like, 
I saw a lot in the community by that time because that was like mm-hmm. 2000, 2010 or so. Oh, when we went and you left your phone in the... Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. And by then I think that sort of those things had like congealed. Wait, we like, can't tell a part of a story <laughs> like that. Uh, the- well, so my partner, my monogamous partner at the time really didn't want me to go to Burning Man. And I said, look, I'm going. Sorry. And... He had told me at that point he only ever came to festivals with me to keep an eye on me. Oh, whoa. Yeah. yeah. So, and I and I never cheated on him or did anything with anyone even. And uh, and so we went and he said he wanted me to text or call him every day. Okay, this is 2010. There's no cell service at Burning Man. 2010. Yeah. But yeah. I was like, okay, I'm going to try, I guess. So we got a ride and I left my car or my phone in the car of the person who gave us a ride. And we didn't know him. He was picking us up in a week and he went off into the Burning Man. <laughs> And so I had to beg people all week to try to text my partner in a place with no cell service yep. as it's costing them money. And they're having to retry, retry, retry because it's not working. He didn't get any of the messages. Like, mm. I came home. I was like, no, 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 That's no. That's not how I want to live my life. Yeah. <laughs> no, but. Yeah, it was so stressful. Like, we couldn't really have a good time because. Oh, it was very, like, yeah, anxiety producing. So, but yeah, as far as like Burning Man, the sex positive community, I don't think, like, I didn't know the word sex positive until way later, you know, and the non monogamy. I know lots of burners who are not non monogamous. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'd say. So, Mm -hmm. um, but as far as like being exposed, like, that was when I got comfortable being naked in public, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. that was a big deal for me. My first year, I was like, I'm going to wear bra and panties. And I was like, it's kind of like a bikini. And then I was like, oh, maybe I could not wear the bra, you know? And like, kind of, now I'm like, love being naked as much as possible, you know? So, like, those kind of things, like, that yeah. make you feel free and open, I think Burning Man really can offer. Yeah. And I, th- I remember, yeah, well. <laughs> and the, when I went to my first Burning Man, I went with a friend and I was, you know, nervous and he said, okay, no matter what you do, no one's going to care because that guy over there is on fire, basically, right? Like, <laughs> which is as we were saying, like, you could, you know, wear the silliest thing or nothing or, you know, run around doing whatever and no one's really going to, mm-hmm. no, hey, it's, cool, it's- but like... It's like a it's like a yoga class. Like everyone's you know worried about how they look. They're they're really not as as worried about how you're looking. So right, yeah. So yeah, definitely, I'd say that part of that freedom is a really mm-hmm. special at Burning Man. For sure, I was uh, I definitely was part of a kinky sort of community before I went to Burning Man. It just in my own like exploration of sexual freedom and sexual mm-hmm. uh, adventure, uh, and then I went to Burning Man and. There, there was so much opportunity there. I was just like, wow. <laughs> uh, but it wasn't the reason I went to Burning Man. I, I went for the music, dancing, the art, the raving, the bikes, bikes riding. <laughs> it's so good. Um, and friends. Friends just brought me there. So it was good. Mm-hmm. So um, ConvergeCon, um, the, the first year was... Was your intent to build something that was going to be ongoing or were you really just like, let's do this thing and just see what happens? Well, I think the first year we always had the idea of, I think our first on the website, even from the beginning, it said building sex positive communities. Right. But we hadn't given any thought beyond Converge, (laughs) right? And so um, when did we start doing the pub nights? I don't don't remember. Maybe after the first Converge, we kind of thought like... Hey, we have some cool speakers, and in the fall after yeah, the first yeah, converge, yeah, yeah, it was after the first converge, and we got some feedback saying, 
this is really awesome. It would be great if we had something to, like we want it to happen more often. Yeah. yeah. And we we're kind of like thinking about that. And, and this has been really the greatest inspiration is people saying what they want, which is us being like, cool, how can we do that? Yeah. <laughs> and that's what it was, is that it's someone's uh, suggestion that we have something or just like they, they wanted it to happen more often. And we were like, how can we make that happen? Oh. Yeah. And I'd been doing the relationship anarchy sort of group discussions at right. the Tipper, mm. like this pub, yeah. easy, easy, you know, this place with a free back room. And so I was kind of comfortable going there and making things. So we're like, why don't we ask some of the speakers to talk? And so we kind of were doing experimenting and, mm. um, but this year I think we really hit our stride yeah. with it. So we did that a little bit. And then I, I realized I refocused and thought, you know, especially after last year and the whole Me Too thing and how heavy it was and all the feedback we got after, we want this conference, obviously, like, tons of sex educators come, people who are involved in this world. But one thing I I differentiate between this and Catalyst, which is an incredible conference, they're very, like, most people there are sex educators, sex workers, sex writers, you know, like, in that world. And I want Converge and Converge things to be, like, anyone, because as fun as it is to hang out with other, like, hardcore mm-hmm. sex nerds, the maybe muggle might need this information. Yes. Yeah more even than we do right so i really started thinking like how do we bring in like just whoever who might be slightly curious but you know and so um that's when i thought oh we should make a meetup group because the meetup group that's has nothing to do with sex it's just like random people but the people who are curious might be in it and so we sort of created this meetup group um which is just you know slowly growing i think we have like 100 people now it's not huge but um and then wendy and i were talking and i said we need to rebrand the the pub nights to something sexier, you know, pub nights. And she's like, how about sexy sex sex? (laughs) And I was like, how about sex X? Like Ted X, but sex X. Yeah. Yeah. And when we launched it, some people were like, oh, it's going to be five minutes before Ted X comes knocking. And I was like, I don't think that's what Ted X is like. I don't think that's their jet. Like that, that's their jam is to like knock people down when they're trying to have awesome conversations and uh, educate other people. Yeah. So we've had it. No one said anything. Sex X talks and sex X, uh, the social, the social is more, um, once a month we try to just meet at the Legion on the commercial drive because <laughs> it's free. <laughs> um, and just hang out and just talk. And the first one, there was like four people and I almost left. Um, I think we were, and then, yeah, and then you guys came at the end. I was like, whoa, six people. (laughs) And then the next one, there was like 10 people. The next one, there was like 15 people. And so it's growing and, and it's not like, I'm not, I don't have a program and we don't have like any list of things that we want to talk about, but we do end up kind of talking about stuff from the conference and the next XX talk. Um, some, some random, uh, definitely like relationship topics, but it's, it's, it's more just like hanging out and, and like-minded people and even not like-minded people, but people who are new to the community kind of tiptoeing mm-hmm. in and saying, so what is this about? You yeah. Know? Which we I think wa- is important. Yeah. And we want it to be super accessible. So the socials are free, you know, anyone can come. And then the, the, the talks are like $7. So the idea mm-hmm. is to get, um, you know, just get people in the door and talking about this and, you know, make that as easy as possible. Also, we in fall this year, cause you mentioned the Vancouver Sex Positive Society. So that's, uh, our, re- we registered as a full nonprofit now. Mm. So we decided to do that. We did it in the fall because now we want an umbrella because we thought this isn't just converge. We want to be able to be more free and do all these different mm-hmm. things like the sex, sex nights. Mm-hmm. But then like, who knows, right? We just want to have knows? the, it open. So we made this 
nonprofit, which is now sort of we can do Converge under it. We can do the XX ones and then yeah. hopefully just keep building that under that, which we're, is really exciting, I think, to both of us. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, one of the things that I really uh, noticed um, that uh, – that contrasted against Woodhull is Woodhull had a very sort of academic focus. And so it was really geared towards, you know, educators and, uh, you know, and researchers and activists. Whereas I felt like Converge had a lot of like, you know, practical advice, you know, workshops about like living your life in these spaces. And, uh, you know, and, and I, you know, I, I, um, I felt like that was, that was something that was, um, that had wider appeal, you know, where, where people can, uh, can kind of develop their a la carte lifestyle by attending these workshops and getting some ideas about, you know, how they can apply this to it, to their real life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, for our first two years, we had amazing academics as our keynotes, both mm-hmm. Dr. Kim Talbear and Tracy Bear, um, both from the U of A came, um, did talk on indigenous uh, erotica mm-hmm. and um, um, decolonizing. decolonizing love. Oh, Kim Delvers. Yeah. So good. I'm so good. So I still good. think about that and I'm still just like, I want her to like record that so that I can listen to it like 50 times because <laughs> I was so inspired, but so like sort of my mind was so blown by it right. that Amazing, I did right? not retain nearly as much as yeah. I would have liked to. So yeah. Right. Yeah. Dr. Dr. Kim Tallbearer's amazing. She's amazing. And yeah, so we love you, Kim Tallbearer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we have, we do have some, like in that we had a little bit more, acad- like some academics mixed in, yeah, but, um, yeah. but like I said, our focus is more shifting now towards um, just being super accessible and to more than just academics, I think just whoever wants to learn things. So yeah, at one point we were maybe going to try and get some sort of uh, what's it called when you're a professional? You need to get continu- oh the continuing education yeah. sort yep. of credit accreditation for some of the courses, but uh, that seemed really daunting and kind of not where we wanted to go. It's uh, we do think that it's po- important, but I think that that's something that's already existing. Yeah, you know, like we don't want to try and compete with those conferences that want to um, ensure people are getting the technical side of training done mm-hmm. um, for credit. So. Uh, maybe something in the future but right now not it just seemed like a lot to try and figure out in Canada especially because some of our presenters are from United Mm -hmm. States and then to try and get that accreditation internationally yeah yeah I was just like that I need to either meet someone who knows how to do that or (laughs) (laughs) well and also then it really gives it the focus of a con for sex educators yeah and like you said we want like a con where these incredible sex educators like come from all over mm-hmm. North America and anyone can learn from them right because yeah. that yeah there's just not a lot of opportunity mm-hmm. to do that like like yeah a bunch of our speakers come from the states and they don't come to Canada any other time so no yeah they, they, and you know so, yeah some of the best speakers and educators in in the industry for sure it's mm-hmm. it's pretty great so what uh, what conscious choices have you made when you're picking uh, your presenters, because I understand you get like way more people applying to to present <laughs> than yeah. you do uh, have like slots available to uh, we're, people talking. We're really lucky, I think, and even from the beginning, yeah. because um, because 
we almost let the talks create, like, the submissions create the flow of what it's going to be. We don't um, have a theme or, like, ask people for specific Mm -hmm. things, but we get these applications, and then we start looking at who's applied, and we're just like, obviously, obviously, you know, like, these incredible, like, you know, well-known big names in the community, and we're like, and then, so, you know, we start with this pile of, like, I can't believe they want to come speak. Of course they can speak. And then that's like, you know, three quarters of our talks already. They're all fuck yeah. (laughs) And then we have a pile of, these are amazing. Oh God, we only have five more spots. What are we going to do? Kind of, you know, and that's when we try to like maybe pick topics. Yeah. There's definitely, um, priority given to people who are known and uh, like have a good topic, but. And are traveling. And are traveling. But we also, um, try to keep our brains open for people of color and indigenous people and, uh, trans folk, um, just so we can have this. Full, a full spectrum of uh, presenters so that when you're an audience member and you look up on the stage and you're like, oh, that's me. Because uh, it, I think it's hard sometimes with people of color or minorities, uh, visible or not my, minorities, to come to conferences and not see anyone like them there. Yeah. So, yes, we we usually <laughs> pick about three-quarters of a, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're coming to a conference. This is amazing. Uh, and then kind of really think about it, like to diversify and in, and be inclusive. So that's important too. Yeah. So many of the, the sex positive and, and non-monogamous spaces are like overwhelmingly white and heteronormative. Yeah. And uh, you can just walk into a room and that's just like all you see. Yeah. And um, yeah, it is, it's really remarkable to be uh, in a space, especially like Vancouver that, that definitely has a multicultural population, but um But almost all the public voices in Vancouver are white. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you just to have the the effort that you've made to to center people's voices um has been really cool. And I've just I've learned so many amazing things and and met and heard from people that I never would have encountered without that. So it's been it's been really cool. I feel like on that note a little bit. So I was on um, Tristan Termino's podcast the first year um, we were going on. Me and Tracy Bear went on and I think we had two Indigenous speakers Mm -hmm. and to be honest, a handful of people of color compared to the, you know, 30 speakers we had. And Tristan was praising us for the number of POC people we had speaking. I was like, yeah. oh God, the bar's low. Like we, yeah. you know, I'm glad like we are trying and we try as, you know, as hard as we can. And we're yeah. always learning. Um, Kevin Patterson, do you know Kevin Patterson? Yes. Yep. His new book, Love is Colorblind, um, is incredible and gave me some really good insights into... Sorry, um, love's not colorblind. Love is colorblind, I think. No, no, no. no. Oh, this love is not colorblind. Oh, you're right. You're right. The expression <laughs> is love is colorblind. Yes, yeah, of course. His, his book is love's not not colorblind. colorblind. Yes, because yeah. yeah, like, we no, fucked it up when we interviewed him very recently, oh, calling it love is not colorblind, and that's not correct. He's like love's not. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Right. Uh, yeah. So he. Yeah. That book anyway has some just great insights into mm-hmm. um, the amount of work that people of color put in, like that he puts into his community, yeah. and then but also some inspiring ideas for us to work on. And so you know, I consume books at a voracious pace and so like anything I can read that I can get my hands on you know about um diversifying and all different people and but yeah I I I think we try but I think there's so much space for that you know always yeah yeah (laughs) so what are the biggest challenges you've bumped into in putting on this this conference 
well, the lack of money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we started it. Um, I think Dan and I had a couple hundred dollars in a bank account from another project we'd done. And that's all, the only money luckily we've ever put in. Um, but we've never made any money. Like, it, no. you know, I think the first year we broke even by a hundred dollars. And that was because a good friend of ours bought a $200 ticket, even though he wasn't coming. That's the very last minute. (laughs) Like on the last day, because I was stressing. Mm -hmm. So, um, I mean, that's a major challenge because you want to go bigger and you want to, you know, like, Mm -hmm. we'd love to, you know, have gifts for speakers or like have a lounge for the speakers or have, you know, just something like tea and coffee for everyone all day. But like those things are really expensive you know and it might not seem like it you know and then we want to give tickets away but it costs us money you know because like lots of people are helping us yeah i say that's a big yeah thing that maybe people don't like talking about that much but like honestly it's a huge we never know if we're gonna have to end up paying for it by the end of it you know Mm -hmm. yeah but we've committed at the beginning to pay for it if it costs money but um luckily in the two conferences we've had we haven't had to yeah, it'd be nice not to go broke putting yeah. this on. Oh, man. Yeah, especially if someone who's, like, on disability. Like, not on, like, getting paid disability, but, like, I have one and I'm only able to work part-time. So, like, the thought of having to pay to do something on top of that is, like, kind of terrifying. But yeah, um, so far, so good. That's the thing. Also, Vancouver is... I remember I went to Diane... Uh, a month before the last conference and I'm like as of right now this might cost us like two or three grand how do you feel about that and she was like if we don't do this our name is mud (laughs) and I was like you're right like you know all these speakers are coming I'm like okay we're gonna do it and she's like I'll split it with the cost of you which I was shocked because she's just you know I was like okay well that makes me feel better thank you and we went ahead and did it and it worked out you know and um that was amazing but I think I think the city of Vancouver is so last minute you know? Yes. Oh, what are they, it's like, brutal. It's brutal. Right? So like <laughs> the BC bail. Yeah. That term no, Vancouver don't, pe- Vancouver people do not want to commit to something until like it is time to leave for that thing. Like not even the same day, but the same hour. Yeah. It's maddening. And I feel really bad for event organizers. It's really tough. So every year, like around this time, we're starting to be like, Oh gosh. <laughs> Oh gosh! Yeah, we're trying to hype it everywhere we go. Like, hey, this is our conference. If you want to come, and that's part of the reason why we did like the XX talks and the socials as well, is to sort of like remind Create people aware. all yeah. year, yeah. like that this is a conference. It's coming. It's going to be like this, but way better. Like all day, every day for two days, right? You know, and uh, it kind. Of, I think it's it's grown our community and grown the. The knowledge about it, that more people know about it, so that's good. I'd say, aside from money, the biggest challenge is just letting people know it's happening. It is so hard. Like, there's so much noise of, like, awesome things happening in Vancouver. Yeah. And we didn't have a network. Like, my relationship anarchy network, you know, is spread out across the world. It's not Mm Vancouver-centered. So, like, we didn't have... A thing we could plug into other than like sort of the burner community and there's definitely overlap but not a ton right so yeah, yeah. just you know I remember after the first conference like we I have you can't believe the things I've done to try to spread awareness like I <laughs> you know last year I looked up every journalist anywhere near like the lower mainland who'd ever written an article on queerness and wrote them like like wrote them an email to them and like I read your article on like teens and sex Ed, you know, from you two might years be ago, to know. you know, like I have gone to, I, luckily we have someone helping us with PR this year because we never have. And like, so we've done like, 
just these great lengths to, and to spread the word. And then I remember after the, at the first conference, someone came up to me on Sunday. It's wow, this conference was amazing. Um, I'm in the leather dyke community. Why didn't you let us know this was happening? <laughs> I didn't think of it. And I was like, well, I'm not in the leather dyke community. So like, I don't even know how to reach you if yeah, I'd even thought yeah. about it. And like, that just made me ready to be like, oh, there are so many pockets of people. So yeah. Like, yes. people. how yeah. do we tell them this is happening? Like, that is such a huge challenge for yeah. us. So yeah. Oh, so having a PR person, I hope. Now, did you run into issues um, with, like, the renting the space because it was a sexuality conference? Yes. Yeah. 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 So yeah. the first year, <laughs> were you at the you at the entertainment the first year? Oh yeah. The oh, uh, I was. I, I heard about. Oh it. yeah. So um, <laughs> amazing. Reed Mahalko did a sex sex iron slot sex educator showdown, and he told me beforehand. He's like, okay, it's sort of like this thing. Him and a sex educator, and they talk, and there's different rounds, and it sort of amps up in like uh, how risque it is. And so the first one, he obviously is not PG, but like more tame, just kind of talking. And he's like, the next level is like getting a little more, you know, like closer to R rated. And then he said, the third round is like, can be like full on fucking like demos. And I was like, okay, you're not doing that. And he's like, okay, <laughs> so we'll reel it in and we'll do like the first couple levels. Mm-hmm. And you know, okay. So it got to the point and then red Robin put a strap on, on and Reed showed how to put a condom on. on with his mouth onto a strap on. And I was just like looking, because it's in the ballroom, which is empty, except for, I mean, not empty, it's of of um, employees, except for the staff behind the bar. And I was watching the staff behind the bars as happening, and one was just this old, elder, uh, not elderly, but, like, older woman who was just, like, her face was, like... Uh, oh, no. Looked so... And I was, like, oh, God. And to be fair, like, she didn't consent to that. She just yeah. showed up for yeah. work, you know, and then... Yep. And that happened, and a couple other things. Like people were talking in the lobby about what they heard, so they were scaring the guests or whatever. Right. So we went to the the hotel afterwards. Wrote us this very strongly worded letter, and um, you know, and we said okay, okay. But the reason we loved that venue, one, it's very central and was amazing. Yeah. But also, they let us not pay until after the conference. Oh my god! Yeah. Which was huge. huge. Like that was the only way we could have done it the first yeah. year. So we really wanted to have it there the next year because. How do we, we still didn't have any money. So (laughs) So we're like, okay, we'll run the entertainment by you this time and we'll make a room for people to talk in and whatever. And we won't do simulated sex acts in front of your staff. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So, because they were like, not only is this in front of our staff, this is like, this just can't happen in a hotel at all. And we're like, okay, so we emailed them and we said on the Saturday night, it was like kind of a, we had some sexy art and we had um, Janet Rogers, an indigenous uh, poet, did an amazing piece. And then, you know, we had some dancers and then we had burlesque and we told them we're going to have burlesque. Yeah. And they flipped out. Oh no. They were like, so, you know, afterwards they're like, the burlesque dancer took our clothes off. And we were like, literally, what did you think was going to yeah. happen? Like, you are, you're describing burlesque, burlesque now. Yeah, yes, it was the still dan- burlesque. So she had a nip, like her nipple tassels on and like a G-string, but they were still like, she took all of our clothes off. Yeah, they're very oh, unhappy. No. It was no, no. it was three things. It was that. The people were still talking in the lobby. They didn't were using our special no. space. They were scaring the, you know, normies in the lobby. <laughs> and then someone, I don't know who this was. Maybe they're listening to this podcast someone wore a t-shirt to breakfast that said sorry i was late i was masturbating they felt the need to write that in their email to us as like to a reason that we would not be welcome back (laughs) but by then we were like okay we don't want to censor ourselves we don't want to censor the attendees of where they can talk about things like it's time to move it's time to move and so we're moving to sfu harbor center this year right and i feel like academic institutions are far more liberal and and there won't be like families in the elevator with yeah 
Yes. Exactly. Yep. No families, no football teams coming yeah. down in the escalator. Yeah, and yeah. you're like, what are you doing here? We were just talking about hand jobs and dildos. Yeah. <laughs> ah, you're all underage. I gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> and they said to us on the walkthrough, I will quote, you can do anything that's not illegal. Yes. And I was like, I will wow. take you up on that. So nice. um, we're feeling yeah. really good about the news. I think it's much for the better. And the space is beautiful. Space oh my is gosh. Beautiful. Like views of the harbor in North Van and like, I don't know, it's just... It's dreamy. And it, it, although it does feel slightly more academic being in a school, or but uh, it's not. I think we're going to make it um, cozy and still nice and intimate for for people who, um, yeah, who just have come before. And I think they'll still be impressed with the content and, and the venue will just add things. Yeah. Don't take away. It's a really nice venue. Yeah. So. Awesome. Now, good, good news, fans of simulated sex acts. <laughs> Right? I was just having a Skype date with Kathy Vertuli, and I was like, we have to plan Saturday night. Like, suddenly that's coming. And yeah. So we, she started, oh, well. Uh, I volunteer my body as demo for almost everything. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Duly noted. <laughs> Gonna write that down. Um, and speaking of, um, like, the, the keynotes and stuff we were talking about earlier, the legendary Carol Queen is the keynote this oh, year. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Yep, yep. That is, the, yeah, that is that is an impressive get. Right? I know. I'm still just sort of reeling that that's happening. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, so I met her several times at um, Catalyst in the States, and she's just lovely, and her partner, Robert Lawrence, is also, they're just funny and smart, and they've done incredible things, and... Charismatic. Um, oh, and yeah. Just lovely humans. Just, just lovely. So I was talking on another... Uh, Skype with Kathy and I said you know we've had these two incredible um, keynotes in the past that you know but I kind of want to move away from the more academic um, and it just and she said you should get a big name you know it's your third year you could try to get a bigger name and we kind of were both just like what about Carol and she's like you should email Carol and I had her email address from something before and and Kathy said, she's, she doesn't email back quickly. And I was like, okay, okay. So I wrote her an email and I think she wrote back the next day. Yes. Yes. And I was like, wow. Oh, oh, this is happening. So, and then we didn't, I didn't announce it or really think that totally feels real happen. until yeah. we booked her flight. Mm-hmm. Her and Robert are both coming and we booked their flights. We booked their hotel rooms and now we're like, oh my gosh. They are really coming. Awesome. <laughs> This yeah. is for reals. It's for reals. Yeah, we're very, very excited about that. It's still kind of weird to me, and it feels kind of surreal. Yeah. Every time I look at the poster or like the thing, I'm like, Dr. Carol Queen? <laughs> it's our conference, are you sure? <laughs> so, um, are you doing anything in particular to make the convention more accessible for people who maybe can't afford a full convention ticket? Obviously, there's only a limited number of volunteers, and... We got you. We got you. The new this year, we uh, launched a bursary program. Oh, right. How does that work? People have to apply. Is it on the tickets or on the main page? Uh, the it's website? in the FAQ of the website, and I've been promoting it a bit. So, um, And we can link it in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. So it's a Google form. I think we are going to have it open till the end of February. Um, so it's very basic form. It's your name. And then with the pref- – you can just um, – you can apply for a bursary that sort of suits your financial needs. So 25, 
50, 75, or 100 percent. So if you're able to pay some, that's amazing because obviously it costs us for every person who comes. But if you're not, and then we just ask if they identify as LGBTQ plus, um, disabled, or person of color, and the preference is given to people who identify as one or multiples of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So there's that. There's that happening. Oh, you could also volunteer with us. Yeah. Especially if you know how to write bursaries or grants. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we are looking for a grant writer. Although I have a line on a grant writer. Oh, sweet. Oh, yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So you can volunteer and uh, you're eligible after a certain number of shifts to get a discounted ticket. Yep. Yep. So that's on in the FAQ too. Just email me um, for volunteering. Although we're getting close. We're getting close to how many volunteers we need. So that's good too. But right. Yeah. And then for accessibility, um, also on the website, if you look at the venue, I've put on the venue, um, or on the tab for the venues in the website, um, every room that we're going to be in and how accessible they are and sort of the write-up of, like, accessibility as far as, like, mobility and kind of accessibility. So um, I've included a lot of accessibility info on the website and then links to get more info from that. Um, Yeah, we have a panel this year called Crip in the Bedroom. And so we're going to have um, some people talking about, like, accessibility and sexuality, which I think is really cool. And then Super the person, cool. Q, who's running that, sort of helped, prompted me and helped me to um, talk to SFU about their accessibility. And so, mm. yeah, 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 that was cool. Yeah, I remember at the at the hotel, there were there was issues trying to get the lobby scent free. Yeah. Yes, because um, it was mandated by the Holiday Inn, yeah. not by the hotel. Right. So they, they have... Um, sent marketing yes. in the hotels that I don't know to make you spend more at the bar. Like I don't I really know. know. It was, was. It's the same <laughs> issue at Woodhull, and uh, I don't think I noticed it at Sex Down South. I don't. But, I don't know um, that I noticed it. At Sex but Down yeah, South. It, it seems to be an issue in a lot of these hotel spaces that they yeah their lobbies and a lot of the common areas are just riddled with scented products it's quite horrible is there like like some kind of scent based mind control going on is- I think yes mm. that's really what yeah that's really totally. basically it it's a whole other podcast <laughs> <laughs> scent based mind control <laughs> and the sex you have after it <laughs> I'm sure that's a fetish yeah probably <laughs> mm, your pheromones have captivated me <laughs> So is there anything else, as we as we're seem to be uh, deviating in a strange uh, direction? Um, yeah, we're writing a different episode now. Um, is there anything you'd like to uh, just, you know, finish up with? Give us uh, any of the information, um, where to find you online, where to find more info, etc.? Yeah, well, um, I just, I'm re- we're really excited about this year. We have awesome speakers. Super really, awesome I feel just speakers. like every year... I mean, I couldn't believe the first year we had such awesome speakers, but every year they just get better and better. So um, we're really excited. And all the info, we have convergecon.ca. That's where everything about ConvergeCon is. The venue, you know, if you want to, all the FAQs, who the speakers are, all the speakers and presentations are all up on there. So you can see everyone who's talking already. And um, we have a van, SBS dot com website yeah. yep mm-hmm. i made a landing page Woo-hoo! <laughs> <Took me> forever. <laughs> i do so much technical stuff i have no idea what i'm doing but um <laughs> that's just a vancouver sex positive society uh that links to our meetup groups and different facebook groups we have also yeah you can find both of those on facebook 
Yeah. Um, yeah. It's yeah. the I, uh, for me the conference has always been in April, and so I keep saying April, but the conference is not in April this year. We moved it uh, back a bit to One March. Week. Yeah. So it's March 30th and 31st at SFU Harbor Center in Vancouver, Canada. Yeah. Canada. Canada. Eh? <laughs> Wendy and I popped by the Seattle Center for Sex Positive. Oh. Center for Sex Positive. And culture. Cent- oh, <laughs> anyway. <gosh>. Thanks, <laughs> oh, sorry, Seattle. Sorry, Seattle. Oh. <laughs> anyway, we walked into their, like, physical space and just had big hearts in our eyes because yeah, it was amazing. It's and, really amazing. Um, we, yeah, we gave them some Converge info, and then we're like, oh, it doesn't say Canada on it anywhere. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> right? Because... <laughs> oh, no, they've gone south instead yeah, of right. north. It's all, yeah, yeah, it's only in Washington State yeah. and in Oregon that you have to say, like, Washington, or say Vancouver, Canada. Canada right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Great. And uh, do you have any personal, like, do you tweet or anything like that? Just like as you? Mm. I try. I try to. Con- <laughs> I try to tweet under Converge tweets. Okay. Yeah. And I just fail so bad at it. <laughs> we have an Instagram. We have a um, Converge photos. I think is our Instagram. Yeah, we have an Instagram. I don't think I posted since photos. last year. <laughs> So does it sound, it sounds to me like you might need, need a like, a social media, media person. Oh, my gosh, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. We do need a social media person, so okay. if you want to volunteer with us. <laughs> oh, an amazing thing, just a little side note, what I was actually talking to Kathy about today, she's going to do this incredible thing where she's setting up um, uh, interviews with all the speakers, and she's going to interview all of them. So we're going to start having little sneak peeks of who's Ooh. talking. She's going to make little videos, and we're going to put YouTube. It on YouTube. And so we'll be like posting in our um, Facebook group, and then I guess on our social probably media. on social media <laughs> <laughs> about. So then people can start seeing the speakers uh, who are actually coming and see their faces and hear yeah. them talk a bit, and yeah, that'll be really cool. Yes. Fantastic, excellent, yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and chatting with us today. It's been really awesome, and we're really looking forward to the the uh, event again this year. And it's a good kick in the butt to buy our tickets. <laughs> oh, we totally... We'll just wait till the same day. We're Vancouver people, right? Yeah. You know, we increased the ticket price quite a bit on the last week. We thought, smart. We thought so no smart. one will buy it. They'll at least we'll have a week, you know, because we need to get in the last catering numbers or whatever, yeah. right? Oh no, people are buying it. <laughs> yeah, people. You underestimate that the premium week. that Vancouver people place on making last minute decisions. Yeah. I mean, it works for us. If we want, if they want to pay a whole bunch of money, like <laughs> sure, you know. But it always makes us a little anxious at the end. Yeah. But still, we like your support. Whether it's in the last minutes or hours before the ticket sales close, or months in advance on your podcast. So thank you for letting us come and talk on your podcast. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for listening. The audiobook version of my book, Yelling and Pasties, The Wet Coast Confessions of an Anxious Slut, is now available on Audible and iTunes. Yay! If you don't have an Audible membership, go to my Twitter at wetcoastcat and follow the link. It's also available on ebook and paperback. Go to amazon.com or visit onthewetcoast.com for links to other marketplaces. Can I say something? Because I've read the book and I love it so much. Uh Uh-huh. Are you the one reading the Audible? Yes. Oh, Awesome. Yes. <laughs> now I've read it, but now I want to listen to it. Okay. Yes. I can send you a code. Oh, awesome. Please, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcast platforms to help more listeners find us. Just a few sentences make a huge difference in our visibility. Contribute to our Patreon to help us have more adventures to tell you about. Patreon.com slash on the wet coast. 
Follow us on Twitter at wetcoastcat, at SiriusFlick, at OnTheWetCoast. And email comments or questions to contact at OnTheWetCoast.com. Go to OnTheWetCoast.com for Cat's blog and more, or find them over at LifeOnTheSwingSet.com. And check out other awesome sex-positive podcasts on the Swingset Network at SwingSet.fm. Hi, I'm Mike Joseph from the Jericho Chronicles radio show and podcast, and you're listening to a Swingset podcast at Swingset.fm. It's over. <laughs> I was going to say, you haven't said, it's over. <laughs> okay, you're going to have to press my butt up again. <laughs> I'm on. There we go. <laughs> hey, lovies. This is Dirty Lola, host and creator of the Sex at a Go-Go podcast. Sex at a Go-Go is a live comedy show, sex ed Q&A, and Go-Go review that takes place once a month in New York in the back room of a tiki bar. But what happens if you can't make it to New York in the back room of a tiki bar? That's why you listen to the podcast. That's right. It's a live show. I'm being funny. I'm going to teach you some things. You're not even going to know you're learning. So join me here on swingset.fm or the Swingset app for Android or on sexatagogo.com and check us out. You won't regret it.